Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius on a victory Monday, Scott, because they're all victory Mondays for the Bucks. That's right. Super Bowl champions. Feels good. We haven't said that in a while. I don't think we said that last week. I don't think we mentioned that. By the way, if you're tuning in the podcast for the first time, you just clicked on this, you don't know the Bucks, and you don't know football. The Bucks are the Super Bowl champions. That means right. they're the best team in the NFL until someone can dethrone them. We've got a while. Oh, Yes, that's right. All year long. Got a while until that happens. I'm John Ledyard from pewterreport.com. Along with me, Scott Reynolds, also of pewterreport.com. We've got a lot of ground to cover today, Scott, on the podcast, because we're going to touch on a free agent who signed elsewhere. His name is J.J. Watt. You may have heard of him. A free agent who might sign with the Bucks, And then we also have a little bit of a draft crush segment for us to talk about a couple prospects that we really 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 like in this year's class and we'll show some clips too so it's going to be fun stuff and it's going to be a good time if you are watching on the pewter report podcast on youtube and as always it's going to be brought to you by our friends over at celsius Hey, John, let me ask you a question. Mm, I love questions. Aren't you glad that it's Monday? <laughs> the reason I, I was trying that, to Kiwi guava, I was trying to figure out how to get kiwi guava into my response. <laughs> well, it, it's orange. It's my favorite flavor. I think everybody knows that by now. But the cool thing about Mondays uh, is, well, most people think, ah, oh, gosh, we're back to work. Well, we get the Peter Report podcast on Mondays, right? We're, we're right. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. During the off season at four o'clock every day, unless we have a, a time change due to a guest, um, but it, it's it's a fantastic way to communicate with you guys out there about the off season buck news and tell you about our great friends at Celsius. Because if you haven't heard, Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. And the great thing about Celsius, John, is is no sugar, no preservatives. So this is a healthy version of an energy drink. And then you might ask, well, how can I find this, this awesome, tasty beverage that comes in multiple flavors? Well, uh, you can do so by clicking on the banner ads, the Celsius banner ads on PeterReport.com. will take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk and save a lot of money. Or you can go to Celsius.com, click on the store, loca- store locator, put in your address, and there will pop up a bunch of locations, grocery stores, convenience stores uh, around you where you can, um, you can partake in Celsius. Then let us know. Which favors are your are you, which flavors are your favorites on our uh, social media channels? Peter Reports Twitter account at Peter Report, and love to hear from you. Yeah, we did our. I uh, texted you guys a, a ranking of uh, my top fives uh, yeah. this past week, and I, there's a lot to choose from for sure. Wild Berry is still the best one I've tried, I think, but Kiwi Guava did make the top five as well. There you love go. that one as well. So lots of good options. One of the things we love best about Peter Report or about Celsius for sure, and about Peter Report to be honest. I mean, lots of good options at Peter Report too. Lots of options for the Bucks and free agency, but one of them will not be JJ Watts. Scott, we thought we we opined early on in the process that the Bucks should look into this. It became clear very quickly the Bucks were not looking into JJ Watt. They are very much yes, they're very much preoccupied with. Resigning their own free agents. JJ Watt signed a two year, $31 million deal with $23 million guaranteed, 
which was actually about the guarantees, I thought. I think, you know, there's probably a decent chance he plays out the deal. So the fact that they went as high as 31 million overall yeah. is, is pretty high. That that part of it, I think, was a little bit more than I thought. But uh, the guaranteed money wasn't – I didn't think it was a crazy deal. You know, if you're Arizona and you have the money, you can do it fine. Yeah. But it's clear that J.J. Watt was not choosing the best team to go to. And that's fine. That's his prerogative. But this is clearly Arizona, you know, fine team. They've got some players. I don't think anyone thinks that they're a better option than Buffalo or Green Bay or probably even Cleveland, who were the other top options for him. And a special surprise he didn't go to Buffalo, given the fact that the AFC looks kind of wide or you know, between them and the Chiefs, it would appear to me. Yeah, and, and also, John, I think when you look at, at this free agency, it's a two-way street. We didn't know – how much interest there was in Green Bay, which was kind of his sentimental uh, favorite, right? I think that was that was a place that he wanted to go, being someone that played at Wisconsin collegiately. Um, and then, of course, I, I think he would have loved to have played with his brother in Pittsburgh. Don't know that there was much interest from the Steelers. And certainly the price point. <laughs> Steelers, Steelers would have needed to rob a bank or something. Yeah, I was going to say, the price point obviously has a lot to do with that. And I think that that ultimately is what kept the Buccaneers at bay. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is uh, you know, they, They've got their own free agents to prioritize. And obviously, right. J.J. Watt wanted to get a deal done as soon as possible and cash in. And I think Correct. he did that. And, and I don't think that it's really a situation where – um, you're looking at J.J. Watt being an absolute difference maker for the Cardinals to the fact that he's going to be the no. guy to get them over the hump. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, I still like J.J. Watt. I wrote about that. I think J.J. Watt's still a good player. I don't think J.J. Watt is like old J.J. Watt where like he's the guy you build your defense around. And in Arizona right now, I mean, I tweeted out about it jokingly, but uh, you know, for real, like they, they, they have Chandler Jones coming off a season-ending biceps injury at 30-some years old. And they have Buda Baker, and yeah. we'll see with Byron Murphy. He's taken took a step in the right direction this past season. A corner Isaiah Simmons, disappointing rookie year, certainly not giving up on him, but obviously gonna you know not a great start for him. Yeah, a lot of guys are free agents. They frankly just don't have that much talent. Patrick Peterson's fallen off. He's a free agent now. I, again, I just to me, you a defense. If you add like a you know a Stephon Diggs to a Bills team, or if you add a quarterback, you know those are. Those are big game changer moves. You had a franchise left tackle to a team that's otherwise pretty good. But to me, the Cardinals were looking at fourth place in the West anyway. We'll see. Obviously, four hours have to stay healthy. Seattle has to keep Russell Wilson. Right. Um, but I, I don't see the Cardinals as more of a threat really today than I, than yeah, I did. I, I agree. So. And speaking of today, you teased it at the beginning. We'll get to it a little bit later, John. We're still talking free agency, but Capo Luciano, do you guys know Javante Williams, the running mm, back? Do we know him? Mm. Read the Peter Report mock draft. We had him in there at number 32 for the Buccaneers in the first round. But, yes, Capo, we're going to talk about him because, John, you did a great story on both those talented North Carolina running backs, oh um, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. We'll get to those guys in just a little bit. But, yeah. uh, you know, John, we, we talked about free agency. And, mm-hmm. obviously, J.J. Watt off the board. And it's interesting because he was a guy that probably – would have replaced Will Golston in Tampa in, in that role, but he also could have been a stand-up outside linebacker in some respects because he's such such a, a good pass rusher coming off the edge. At least he was. We'll see what the yeah. 2021 version of J.J. Watt looks like. But, um, you know, I, I did a little bit of speculating, and, and if you missed Friday's SR's Fab Five, here's the Cliff Notes version. Chris Godwin's going to get the franchise tag, not Shaq Barrett. And for those of you that might say, well – you put a priority on pass rushers over wide receivers, especially on a team that that just came off signing Antonio Brown, has Mike Evans under contract, Scotty Miller's 
took a huge step forward. They just drafted Tyler Johnson. So why would they use the franchise tag on Chris Godwin? With the, the two quick answers, number one, he's a perfect fit for what Bruce Arians wants to do from that slot receiver position, which is that that uh, Larry right. Fitzgerald role is a part blocker in the run game and then a, a, a vertical and intermediary threat uh, in the in the seam as a wide receiver, and he's a proven performer. He led the Bucks in postseason uh, receiving yards, and and the guy's just a, a dynamite player. Number two, it saves the Bucks about four million dollars because mm-hmm. you want to use the franchise tag in an effort to save cap space in addition to keeping the player. And I think the Buccaneers want to keep a lot of players, right, John Levante, David, right. Jack uh, Barrett, and and of course Chris Godwin, but. If you use it on on Godwin, if he's out there and is allowed to hit the free agent market, he's probably going to get close to $20 million, somewhere between 18 mm-hmm. to $20 million. And so the Buccaneers can actually save some money by applying the franchise tag and and then seeing if if they can come to terms with, with a longer-term deal. But I think the other thing is they want to keep the hierarchy in place, John. They want to keep right. – uh, Mike Evans on top of, of Chris Godwin, just because Mike Evans is the more accomplished receiver. And right now with, with Mike Evans making an average of $16.5 million per year, it allows him to do that for one more year. Right. But when it comes to Shaq Barrett, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they let him get to free agency. Now, what I mean by that is not necessarily March 17th, but let him get to the free agent tampering period on the 15th and and see what his market value is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you're uh, on that. Yeah, no, I wonder. I mean, it's. I think you're right. I, I it's 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 going to be a pro. It's going to be a longer process for the Bucks and Shaq Barrett than it is for the Bucks and Chris Godwin or the Bucks and Levante David, in my opinion. And so, yeah, part of it really is okay. What you know, what can they do with Shaq Barrett before it comes to that point in time where like somebody else is offering too much? You know what I mean? And and um. I'm the the tricky thing about this year is that you you kind of look at the field and you say okay everybody is kind of worried about the cap right now we don't even know what the cap is so that we can't even plan that much now right. we let him get to free agency and all of a sudden like Shaq Barrett you know is somebody's lobbing a ton of money at him but it's only one team you know so you yeah. counted and you said okay like literally three fourths of the league are out right away like right. we just they're not gonna be able to pay it this offseason they've got other priorities so we're playing the odds here and less teams than normal we're gonna would be able to pay this guy kind of what what he, he wants or what you know would put us him out of our market yeah um so you're playing the odds a little bit but then it only takes one of those teams if three-fourths of the league out, only takes one of those teams and a quarter of the league's left to be able to offer him that kind of money right you know, there's a ton of cap space and you know team like jacksonville like oh we need a pass rusher okay like um so because of that i i think it it makes shaq barrett's situation very tricky there's also the fact that shaq barrett knows this is probably his last chance to get paid Right. So he's 28 years old. He's going to be 29. Yeah. So. Does every dollar matter to him a little bit more than it would to yeah. somebody like Levante David or, or, you know, right. Chris Godwin, again, you know, I think he's going to eventually get paid. And so there's, there's not that concern with him, but for Shaq Barrett, it is. And I think that because of that, you'll see those conversations go on a little bit longer. Yeah. Let me ask you a question with, you know, a, a lot of times we sit there and say, well, yeah, but the thing is, is the, the best chance you're going to have at winning a Super Bowl is right here because you just won one. This is a Super Bowl-ready team. So uh, 
how much incentive is there to win another one as opposed to chasing the dollars, right? Like you can already kind of check that box. Everybody wants to win, right? Why not? I shouldn't say everybody. Right. There's some players in this game that don't care about winning. They, they care about the money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've had some roll through here in Tampa. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is, is how much importance do you put on coming back and, and having that fit? And obviously Todd Bowles' uh, scheme is, is a perfect fit for Shaq Barrett given his production, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so how much, you know, without, without, you know, asking Shaq and we're trying to read his mind here a little bit, mm -hmm. but how much do you think that, that another million or two out there per year matters to him as opposed to coming back and being in a comfortable environment and winning again? Because we saw Dexter Jackson win the Super Bowl MVP in 2002 and signed for way bigger money out there mm -hmm. in Arizona. And it wasn't a good fit and it kind of like right. his career, but sometimes you got to chase the money. Yeah. I mean, I think that, it might matter some to Shaq, but you know, knowing him and the type of duty is a little bit, um, at least. But at the end of the day, yeah, I think the dollars are really going to talk with him. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think that he wants to make the most of this opportunity that he has. It took way longer for him than it should have, a, and that's not his fault. You know, it took longer yeah. than it should have for his talent to become revealed. And this is, like I said, his chance. You know, he knows that. That's a, right. a once-in-a-lifetime window and opportunity, really, for him. Um, so. There was just a lot to evaluate and a lot on the line because of that. So, yeah, I think, you know, I still feel like Shaq Barrett's going to be back, but I think it's going to be one where we're probably white knuckling it. <laughs> I yeah. bet we're going to be into free agency and we're going to have offers on the table. Yeah. And it, I mean, the Bucks and probably offer is going to be competitive, no question. Right. Will right. it be literally down to the dollar the best offer? I'm not sure. It really, it, there's just yeah. a lot of unknowns, but pass rusher positions a premium. It you know, is. if Levante David hit it, hit the market, he would get paid. Would it be significantly more than Tampa Bay? I don't know. Um, I, and, and would it be to a better team? I really don't think so. You know, there was a report out there that the Browns, I think, are interested in Levante David if, if he hits uh, the market. Yeah. No surprise at all there. They uh, need help at linebacker. They have a bunch of young guys, but I don't know if any of them are going to be any good. So um, there will be teams that want to pursue him. But again, you know, I just don't know if the difference is going to be significant enough for somebody who's already been paid plenty yeah. in his career and just started winning in the place that he's that he's etched his entire career out in uh right. if he would want to go to a place even a play a team that's good like the browns mm -hmm. are they going to be good enough you know what i mean to 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 pass right. up what you could be getting in tampa bay so that's where the conversation just differs for me with david if shaq barrett isn't back though let's say that the offers get too competitive and shaq barrett moves on you kind of went through scott a little bit uh, and talked about some of the other potential edge rushers that you feel like could be fits in tampa bay that maybe wouldn't hit for the same price tag that right. Barrett would. Who who were some of the people who jumped out at you? Well, let's talk about these together, John. So mm -hmm. you look at, at Baltimore, and they they run a, a three four defense that's similar to Todd Bowles' scheme. It's a three four one gap scheme, and lots, and they, lots they, of games too, lots of stunts and stuff yeah, like that. For lots, sure, lots and, and they, they've got two talented guys, uh, Matt Judon. 6'3", 261, and a, a guy that's a little bit closer to Shaq's size, a little undersized, but very quick off the ball, and Yannick Ngakwe, 6'2", 246. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is Jacksonville, right, they traded him to Minnesota. Then Minnesota traded him to Baltimore. So Ngakwe actually spent half the year or about half the year in Minnesota, the other part of the season in Baltimore. What I like about uh, Ngakwe is he's younger than Judon. Judon's the same age. He's 28. He's going to be 29 as Barrett. Ngakwe is 26 years old, and in addition to you know getting a bunch of sacks, and this guy is a big-time sack producer, he's got 18 forced fumbles in five seasons. 
Hmm. And uh, so that, that that's that's quite a number. Um, this is a sack fumble guy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of, of a smaller, shorter Simeon Rice in the mm-hmm. back. Then. When this guy hits the quarterback, the ball usually comes out. Yeah. Uh, Judon, he uh, is, by the way, Yannick and Simeon Rice. That's a pretty good comp for a couple yeah. reasons. Number one, because he almost all when he wins as a pass rusher, it's almost always around the edge on the outside. Yeah. He's not a power guy. He's not right. really an inside counter guy. In fact, he probably doesn't have a great counter game at all, but he does have that burst off the line and he knows how to chop and win the edge. Very similar to yeah. Simeon Rice. And also he's not very good against the run. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've heard that was true of Simeon Rice as well. That's true. And, and the thing is, and uh, Judon is much better against the run mm-hmm. and he's a little yes. bit more of, of a complete guy. Uh, again, bigger 261. The interesting thing is though, is Baltimore is going to keep one of these guys. They're going to franchise either Judon, who is a homegrown draft pick, uh, you know, uh, from from the Ravens, or in Gakwe, who's the younger? They tagged um, Judon last year, I think, right? Yes, yeah. I think uh, so, I, they wouldn't rule out doing it again, right? I think it's probably more likely they would do that than than Yannick. I just, yeah. I mean, Yannick didn't really I, I agree. show anything, anything. And the other thing is, is the defensive line coach for the Ravens, Joe Cullen, is now the defensive coordinator under Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And so you wonder, one of those guys that's not signed, or I should say franchised, by Baltimore, and I don't think they can afford both, John. One of those guys very well could be going to Jacksonville, even if it's Yannick mm-hmm. Ngakwe coming back to Jacksonville and a brand new coaching staff down there. Uh, but there's some familiarity with with Joe Cullen, who used to coach the, the Bucks defensive line. So yeah. those are a couple guys to right. consider. But, but th- those are the guys that are going to be uh, kind of on par or a little bit less than what Shaq's making. And I anticipate Shaq making around $19 million. I think that's that's kind of the market value of talking about average per yeah. year. I think Judon is going to hit around that, maybe 18. Didn't have as strong a season uh, this year as he did no. in, in the year he was franchised. Um, yeah, I wonder what happens with Judon, honestly. He's an interesting player. He's obviously produced, but a lot of that is Baltimore scheme, too. He gets more open yeah. looks than some other guys. He is a good player. He He's a dog. He goes hard. Like right. you said, he's a complete player. Um, I don't think he's like a, a non-factor as a one-on-one pass rusher. He's not Shaq, though. He's um, not. And, and, and if I think if he gets paid even close, I'd just pony up more money for the better player, in my yeah. opinion. But I, I agree. And, and Shaq, uh, I should say, Judon had nine and a half sacks and four forced fumbles uh, in 2019. And that's that's what cost him to, to be franchised this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the numbers dipped. He had just six sacks, 21 mm-hmm. quarterback hits. And again, he's 28. He's going to be 29 this year, so mm-hmm. he's not that younger guy like like Ngakwe is. Mm-hmm. And but, they rotate a lot. I think I don't yeah. think he plays the snap count. Barrett does, if I'm recalling correctly. So there's a lot of things to look at. Here's my question, though, Scott. Like, if to me, if you're Tampa Bay and you're not willing to go to 19 for Shaq or 20 for Shaq, let's say just. Yeah. And again, we're talking about per year, but it's really the guarantees that matter because they can structure right. the per year. They have so much flexibility with that. It's about how much guaranteed he's looking for. That's right. And then you know, okay, I'm attached to this contract for this amount of time, and you gauge the fall off and everything. But if that is the case, and he's priced out for whatever reason of the Bucks yeah. range, then what about if they were to go the 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 route of signing a veteran and then prioritizing the position in the draft, even if it meant trading up and losing another pick? You know, with with the roster the way that it is, I think they'd be maybe more comfortable in that. Yeah. But an Ed well, is falling in the draft. What if they, it was a guy like a Justin Houston or Ryan Kerrigan? Both those guys are free agents, yeah. and they went that route. I, I think the Bucks have had some mixed results when it comes to getting pass rushers that are thirty or older. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I think they'd want if they're going to replace Shaq, I think they'd want to do so with a guy that that has a little bit more juice or a little bit more tires, or I should say tread left on the tires. They've had Robert Ayers. They had Vinnie Curry, and and both of those signings were not as impactful as say trading right. Jason Pierre-Paul. What and, if it was like a a, a package deal? Like you signed a vet for cheaper to bridge you into the young guy that you took early in the draft. Well, and that was kind of like the strategy, and, and I think that's kind of what it was when they drafted Noah Spence, right? You had mm. you had Vinnie Curry, you you had uh, before that Robert Ayers. And None of that worked out. <laughs> it just didn't work out. <laughs> that so, was all bad. Yeah, I'm just just using some some strategy yeah. here that Jason Lights tried and and it didn't work out. So that's why I think that you know if they're if they're if they're prepared to spend 17, 18, maybe 19 million for Shaq and they still can't get him, I think they'd be willing to do that with a comparable rusher. So let's continue and see if there's any more rushers out there, or maybe some rushers that that aren't at that level but hmm. might be younger and worth investing in. So we talked about 28 year old rushers. Well, there's another guy in Leonard Floyd who had a, a really good year. With the Rams now, of course, he's playing next to Michael Brockers. He's playing next to Aaron Donald, you know. But he's a, a player that that had uh, it was a first round pick of Chicago. Tried a one year prove it deal for five million dollars with the Rams, and again had a, a pretty good year. Uh, this is a player that had eighteen and a half sacks in four seasons with the Bears, but he had ten and a half sacks and nineteen quarterback hits last year in. Um, in LA. Now the thing is, is Floyd is he's lanky and, and lean. He's 6'5, 240. Again, not that great against the run, but he's a twitchy athlete who's gotten stronger. His biggest problem, though, still converting speed to power. And I don't yeah. think he's ever going to be uh, a speed to power kind of guy, but he's got he just like he wins with inside rush moves and, and long arms. Yeah, yeah, and long arms and and hustle. Uh, they, a lot of games when he had produced in Chicago, but he's like, "Oh, look at his sack numbers!" You know, his early year for first or second year. Right. But it was kind of like, eh, "Watch the tape," and yeah. you know, it's just got it's just this really other guys open stuff up for him. Yeah. Again, like he, he did. I mean, like you said, like if other guys are around him, he can ball. Um, and right. there's certainly some of that in Tampa Bay. But yep. You know, I I'd, I'd almost rather roll the dice with Justin Houston, I think, or Melvin Ingram's out there too, I think. Uh, yeah, I just, just those, I those guys are 31, 32 old, and and then you start looking at injury issues, and they've already kind of mm-hmm. done that with Jason Pierre-Paul with that gimpy knee the last couple of years. So yeah. I don't know that, that they'd want that. And again, that's one thing you have to like about Shaq is the durability. He started every right. Last two years, this all goes back to just resign Shaq. It, it <laughs> does. Deal with it. You might have a little bit of a money issue down the road, but this isn't yeah. like the Saints where they've signed a million people over the years, like a million right. big contracts. This just hasn't yeah. been done. So just so do he, it. You got to take he, that chance. Here's a couple other guys: Detroit's uh, defensive end Romeo Aquara. Um, definitely not a, a household name by any means. He played at Notre Dame as an undrafted free agent, signed with the Giants in 2016, joined the Lions in 2018, had seven and a half sacks and a forced fumble. Saw his pr- production dip last year to only one and a half. I should say, in in 2019, to only one and a half sacks. But mm-hmm. he's a high energy player came through in a great contract year. Had ten sacks, twenty quarterback hits, three forced fumbles. He also had a sack fumble against Donovan Smith on Blaine Gabbard in the second half mm-hmm. of that Bucks Lions game. He's an interesting one. He's a name you tossed out to me. What do you think of this guy for ten mil? And you know. Yeah. I'd have to watch more of his tape. What I saw of him this past year, I mean, he used his hands really well for sure. He's never going to be like a great athlete. I don't think he's going right. to be an annual double-digit sack guy. 
Sure. Um, but again, you're but looking at tier two options, basically. Yeah. At tier point. two, he's bigger. He's 6'4", 264. Mm-hmm. So he's got a little bit more but you know, beef on him than, than Shaq does at 250, uh, being you know barely 6'2". Um, right. And the thing about Aquara is he's 25 years old. So the, the, you have some upside. Right. I don't think this guy's reached his potential yet in terms of that. Uh, another interesting player within the division, more of a household name, uh, Trey Hendrickson. 6'4", 270 from the New Orleans Saints. There's no way, John, they can keep Somebody. Trey Hendrickson. Yeah. No. They're, they're Somebody's going to pay for him, and it's going to be too much money, I'm telling you. It will be too much money. And the reason why is because he was pretty much a designated pass rusher, had 13 and a half sacks, led the Saints in sacks, also had three of those sacks against the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that had one forced fumble, 25 quarterback hits. The ball doesn't come out of – uh, of, of the quarterback's hands too much. He's not a sack fumble guy like we talked about with Ngakwe. But, you know, is, is, Spotrack said his market's around $10.3 million. I think that people are going to be enamored with the the size, 6'4", 270, the age. Uh, I believe he's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And and the, the sack production last year and probably overpay him. John, what do you think? Yeah, probably closer to what you're saying than what Sparrow's saying for sure. Uh, if he gets only 10 mil, I'll be surprised. But maybe maybe teams will show restraint. I don't know. But normally when guys like that, his age, there's no injury history that I can recall with him. Um, right. He's been pretty productive even in smaller roles in, in past years. Yeah, they, they get him the best matchups really a lot of the time. Uh, he plays inside. He plays over guards. And so, again, he's a guy that can definitely help your team. I just don't think he's like a guy you put in and play every snap on the edge and you get a great – all around profile out of him, which is yeah. what he would be, which is what should be expected if you're going to get paid to that level, in my opinion. Yeah. So that's where I fall. And, I, I, lo- I get lost a little bit in the Trey Anderson yeah, talk. I, I'm with you. And, and the thing is, is, is there's been some talk that the Rams could possibly franchise Leonard Floyd if they want to keep mm-hmm. the pass rushers. Again, pass rushers are hard to find. That's why Shaq Barrett was franchised last year. Um, another, another, what well, we know that the saints are going to franchise Hendrickson cause they can't afford to, mm-hmm. uh, Cincinnati's Carl Lawson, six, two, two, sixty five. This is a guy that, that had eight and a half sacks as a situational pass rusher for the Bengals as a rookie in 2017. He was a fourth round pick. And then he got, I would, I would just say this about Carl Lawson. I just don't think he's a fit uh, with Tampa Bay at all, especially if he's going to drop. I know that he's dropped guys who don't typically drop, but yeah. uh, Lawson is just, he actually was just a pass rusher for a while for Cincinnati. Right. Then they're letting him play a little bit more against the run of late, but he's not super athletic. He just is a great right. power rush. I mean, he's a really good pass rusher. I like him in that role, but he does play hand down most of the time and he plays and he rarely drops. He's not a space guy at all. I don't know if the Bucks would see the fit there. He's more of a 4-3 defensive end and mm. he's only he's he's kind of pricey, I I, I think uh, according to Spot Track. They have his value at 8.8 million. I don't know if he's going to get that though. He's he's notched 20 sacks. It's the injury history that would be exactly. the reason. His pressure exactly. rates are unbelievable consistently, right. but yeah, I think you're right. He now, two more guys from Arizona. We'll talk about just to wrap up this this discussion here. And we we had a uh, we had somebody here. Uh, what about Hassan Reddick? Okay, let's talk about Hassan Reddick here for a second. Mm, Arians' last draft pick. Good observation yeah. there, Garrett Washington. First round pick back in mm-hmm. 2017. He was and, Steve Kimes' pick, but yes. yeah, true. But now here's the interesting thing. He's he's even more undersized than Shaq Barrett. He's six one two thirty five. And so when he rushes, I've watched some film. He usually rushes almost outside, like like a nine technique, uh, just to get that angle. Now he's very explosive. He's strong for his size. 
He had a career year with 12 and a half sacks, 18 quarterback hits, and six forced fumbles. I think he had five sacks in one game. He did, five sacks against the Giants. So this is a guy that had 20 career sacks, uh, again, more than half of which came last year, nine career (laughs) forced fumbles. So he's a little bit of a one-year wonder as a pass rusher. But he can drop. He is athletic. He he can play off the ball as well. I was going to say, well, remember, he was playing off the ball for most of his first couple years in Arizona. So that's the reason why the sack numbers, it's not – not that I'm advocating for Hassan Reddick, but the sack numbers could be lower because he wasn't really rushing all that often. No doubt about it. And just to wrap up on on uh, Reddick, uh, 26 years old, so he's younger than Shaq. Uh, there, there is a chance that the Cardinals could franchise him, though, So because mm-hmm. uh, he really came on, had a, had a big year. And again, uh, they just signed J.J. Watt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you want to add pass rushers, not necessarily replace them. Exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they could tag him. It's, uh, I don't know if I'd pay that much for, I just try right. to sign him for something lower. Probably. I mean, again, yeah. he was a complete bust until this year. And then I don't know. I mean, I don't know where there's this production and I watch some of it. I mean, some of it, he's, he's definitely a nice player. The player I'd like to have around. I just don't want to pay him huge. Like if somebody exactly. else wanted to take that risk and they benefit from it. Great. You know, but he's, to me is not an, I don't know if I see him as an every down player. Right. And so because of that, it's like, okay, what am I going to get for him? Well, you might get some good pressure production from him, but if you're going to franchise tag him and pay him like, you know, even for a year, like one of the highest paid guys at his position, it's not worth plus it. the Cardinals kind of have that, that guy, Dennis Gardecki too, or whatever yep. his name is that uh, he has done stuff for them too. So it'd be interesting to see what happens with the son Reddick. I'm fascinated to yeah. see what teams make of him. His profile is one of the oddest we've seen for a free yeah. agent in a long time. So Especially lots of good names there. Size, six, yeah. 135. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to, to place him in, in anything other than a three, four outside linebacker role. Right. Um, and then, you know, because of his off the ball ability as well. The other right. guy, in Arizona, probably the odd man out now with JJ Watt coming. I think you would agree. John is Marcus golden, who was a second round pick in 2015 under Bruce Arians had a great mm-hmm. second season. Recording 12 and a half sacks and four forced fumbles before a knee injury that he suffered in 2017 robbed him of that year. It took him a few years to get back to that level of production. He actually left to go to New York with former Cardinals defensive coordinator James Betcher. He recorded 10 sacks and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery for a touchdown in 2019. Then he split time between the Giants and Cardinals last year, recording four and a half sacks total with one forced fumble. 6'3", 260, he's, he's got some size to him, and, and he's got two years' Tough worth guy. of double-digit sack production. Mm-hmm. But then the injury uh, question, plus the fact he's 29, again, Track has his market value at uh, $13.5 million. I don't see where he gets anywhere close to that, considering he made only $3.75 million last year. $13.5 million per year. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. no way Marcus Golden is making yeah. more than Carl Lawson on this market. No it's way. It's not happening. No There's similar – molds yeah. like they're gonna rush that's all they're gonna they're gonna play in the boxes run defenders they're not space guys they're not you know great range guys to the sideline so i mean again i don't know if either of those guys are fits for what the bucks are trying to do right now but to, outside of that i just definitely think carl Lawson is going to make more money than marcus golden yeah. um this offseason so lots of different interesting names uh jay walk more than expected Tom says yeah good point um uh, i think uh, overall money yeah i agree guarantees were about what i thought kevin says you forgot about uh jordan jenkins didn't necessarily forget about him don't know if we want to remember him or not that's our that's our question scott and i discussed jordan jenkins yeah. 
you know, we were kind of like, okay, who are some, you know, if it was like the low end guys, you know what I mean? You're going for a draft pick and you're pairing them with a vet and you're going to, you're kind of just patchwork at the position until somebody establishes themselves. Um, you know, Jenkins is a tough guy. He's a decent run defender. He's solid. He empties the clip every snap. Like he's one of those guys that you want on your team for sure, but there's just no upside. Uh, he had one year of production and it was almost all just kind of lucked into, you know, watched all of his sacks that year. He's, he's never really been an impactful pass rusher. Even coming out, it was kind of like – He's a little limited athletically too, isn't he, John? Yeah, yeah. He's he's not a space guy. Again, like it's – I don't think it's like he wouldn't get the scheme. I know he played for Bulls and so like I, I get that he could be – but again, okay, you got drafted by Bulls, but then what did you show in that time frame to Bulls right. that made him think, oh, this is a guy that I covet? I don't know that we have any evidence that he showed anything uh, like right. that. Um, you know, again, good guy to have on the team if he comes for cheap and he's your. He, but it, how is he an upgrade on Anthony Nelson? Even I, I don't know that he is, and you'd be paying him more than you're paying Nelson. So, yeah. you know, to me, it's about I want a better player as a third edge rusher. I want a better player than Nelson, a better player than Jenkins. That yeah. might cost a little bit more, or it might be a free agent, or it might be a I'm sorry, a, a rookie uh, that you draft, um, and it doesn't cost more. I hope it's a rookie that you draft to. Um, yeah. So there's that for the Bucks away for sure. But to me, I don't know that Jenkins solves anything with the team right now. Yeah, I agree. And and again, we both think John that that Shaq Bear will end up re-signing with Tampa Bay. The the, right. the only reason that why that wouldn't happen is if if there's just some crazy team out there that just says you know twenty million, twenty one million, right. and and that that just goes higher than, than the line. Then the Bucks want to pay, and it's not necessarily John that that Shaq isn't worth an extra million or two per year. It's not about that. It's just mm-hmm. about the Bucks have a lot of free agents this year that they want back. And yeah, and the minute you start, you know, giving this guy another million and giving that guy another million just to stay, well, all of a sudden you don't have the three or four million that you might need to pay Ryan Sucka. Mm-hmm. You got to pay Ryan Sucka. You Ryan Sucka. Hey, Ryan Sucka. <laughs> Most important free agent of the offseason, Ryan Sucka. Yeah, right. You read the PR round. Table. That's right. I read it. I know. But here's the other thing, Scott. You know, they would also, it, it, and I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying, you know, again, the Bucks can do whatever they want. It's just about what they're feeling comfortable with. If they got right. someone wants to go to 21, 22, the Bucks can do it. It would just be structuring contracts, moving money around other places. They have tons of flexibility. Yeah. It's all about what they're willing to do and what Shaq's willing to kind of wait for them to do. You know, if his cap hits $7 million this year, mm-hmm. but next year there's a huge chunk of guaranteed money sitting there. Is he comfortable with, you know, that money's going to come. It's just not going to be this, you know what I mean? Like he's still going to get seven, you know, and it's guaranteed money. It's just, you know, a little bit more pay. So again, it's those kinds of things that are going to be the question marks, I think. Yeah. They can do everything that they want to do. It's just right. a matter of whether they will feel like that or not because Carlton Davis, Donovan Smith, Going into free, going into uh, contract years, and so there's you know decisions to be made with those guys down the road. Eventually, with Devin White, and so yeah, well, you have to make sure you're not killing yourself long term. And so yeah, and you know what? Here's a prime example from Gary. There's always a crazy team out there like Quan and the 49ers. Not even just Quan and the 49ers, but the Saints and Quan Alexander, right? I mean, it's like Quan Alexander has not been the player that he was prior no. to that ACL injury, and you know, and and he. He tears his knee. He he ha- he's not worth the money the 49ers paid for him. He's not worth the money that he made last year in New Orleans when they acquired him in a trade. It just, but you're right. All it takes is one crazy slash stupid team to to pony up, and then all of a sudden, you know, your your cap is kind of wrecked. A couple things too. Uh, why didn't we mention Bud Dupree? Well, John, tell us why we didn't mention Bud Dupree. It's called a knee injury, right? 
Yeah, well, yes, but uh, I actually don't think that's going to affect Bud Dupree's market very much. I just expect no. Bud Dupree to be – no, I don't – I mean, th- those knee injuries are fairly uh, routine at this point in time. Uh, I think a last r- report we heard from him, he was like running and doing all kinds of stuff already. Yeah. You know, I don't think the knee injuries tend to – unless you're an older player or you've had a long list of injuries, again, maybe it moves his tag down a little – or his price down tag down a little bit, but – I think Bud Dupree and Shaq Barrett will be the two highest paid guys right. in free agency this offseason yeah. at edge rusher. So wow. I would okay. I would guess they'll both be in that same range. Is so he to me, with the Steelers? No, he's not going to resign with Pittsburgh. So he will be somewhere else. Okay. Pittsburgh drafted Alex Highsmith pre- preparing to, to lose Bud Dupree. Be a fit in Tampa, John, should I have included oh, him in the top five? He would be a fit in Tampa. There's no question. But here's the thing. It's There's just n- that. Right? Yeah, I just don't think it matters because, like, it's yeah. again, if. It's kind of you know I don't I think Judon like you could get lower I think it could be sixteen or something right, for Judon I, I think Yannick will get lower You just got bounced around two different teams mm-hmm. didn't really produce that much with either of them He might be a one year rental like a clowny type of type of rental t- type thing for Yannick He needs to get his stock back up It's right. it's just not in the right place Bud has gotten better each of the last two years Yeah I think he's he was a scary player this past year I mean he I would. I would venture to say, as an all-around player, he was definitely better than Shaq this past right. year before he got hurt. No, 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 I, no, no, no. As much as I love Ryan Suckup, there's no lifetime deals. <laughs> Listen, I went to Kansas State. So did Martin Gramatica, right? We had him on on the draft – or not the draft day, the uh, Super Bowl preview show that we did there at Glory Days, John. And and I, I'm a huge Martin Gramatica fan of the, the, the player and the person. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing Automatica from my alma mater kick for the Buccaneers. But I'll be the first to tell you – his contract extension was ridiculous. Uh, when Rich McKay extended a lot of these guys, we talked about Keyshawn Johnson, Martin Gramatica, Simeon Rice. These were the contract extensions that sunk the Buccaneers uh, after the Super Bowl when, when McKay just went nuts and it just was mm-hmm. dishing out monopoly money to these guys. It put the Bucs in salary cap hell that took them almost a decade to get out of. I mean, it was ridiculous. So, no, right. as much as I love Ryan Suckup, <laughs> at 34 years old, Two or three-year deal. I've had three-year deal, two years guaranteed. I'm fine with that. Um, But, but no, kickers do not get lifetime deals. Right, right, right. And uh, Q Dizzle here says, sad to say, but got to let Godwin go. Uh, That's not going to happen this year anyway. Now, here's the funny thing. Jason from On the Clock – or from – sorry, not On the Clock, Over the Cap, he tweeted that he thinks the Bucs, in response to a question from a fan this weekend, he tweeted that he thinks the Bucs can sign two of their big three free agents, but he doesn't know if they'll sign all three. He doesn't know that they'll sign all three of them. I wonder. I questioned him, and he didn't respond. But um, uh, he big timed me. But I wondered if he meant Chris Godwin, like long term contract. They couldn't resign this year, yeah. And the other two guys, because I know that they can. I, I know yeah. that they can do all the deals. It's just again, it's a matter of like, what are you comfortable with? Because and, and then, I, yeah, too. The two things with with Godwin, and the reason why I think they're just fine giving him the, the franchise tag. And listen, yeah. the Bucks were fine giving Barrett the franchise tag. They wanted to see the second year of production. Okay. Chris Godwin's a hell of a player, but mm-hmm. he did have injuries that caused him to miss four games this year. You know, he he's gone over one thousand yards only once in his career. I'm sure that that when they when they cash in and give Chris that money, that they they love to see you know another thousand yard season just just to make sure they know what they're getting. And right. and, and that hierarchy thing is real. Like that's a real thing. Mike Evans right now sixteen and a half million. They don't want to. The year after he just passed a thousand yards for seven straight seasons, mm-hmm. make Chris Godwin the higher paid wide receiver, especially in a year where Mike had the thousand yards and Chris didn't. And Mike mm-hmm. set the new franchise record for 13 
um, touchdowns in a season, broke his own record, and Chris didn't. Uh, both those guys get along. Mike has been willing to help the team out. But just like Bruce Arian says, just because you do a contract renegotiation or restructure doesn't mean you're taking a pay cut. Right. Mike's still getting all the money he's getting. It's just coming in different years and different forms and fashion. Mm, right, right, right. So yeah, I, that that's that's key, and Buck fans have to understand that. So I I don't I don't think the Buccaneers are putting a full court press on getting a new deal with Chris Godwin this year. I think right. that we are. I think they want to franchise him. I don't think right. they want to give him a, a long term extension unless yeah. it's. For fifteen million per year, which I'm sure Godwin probably doesn't want. Yeah, he's not going for it. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's going to be a thing where they'll negotiate. But to be honest, both sides have to at least see the value in the tag right now. Like, yeah. if Godwin had had this uh, a repeat of last year's season, he, they would be hate the tag right now. But oh, yeah. or, or 2019 season, they would hate the tag right now. But he knows he can have that type of year next year if he stays healthy, playing with Brady and this offense, and he can be cash in huge <laughs> in free agency. Hey, um, talk about cashing in huge, John. Oh, tell them about I switched, it. I switched to Briar Greaves, okay? And, and listen, we just went through a year where the insurance world with with, with the record number of name storms at more than 30. Then you had the flooding and the wildfires out west, uh, not to mention the, the pandemic, right? I mean, it's it's been a wild year for the insurance world. But at Briar Greaves, um, they, they can save you money. All you have mm-hmm. to do is give Briar Greaves a call. At 813-876-4166, let Briar or Sam review your policy, show them what you have, and they'll find ways to save you money. Maybe you don't have enough insurance. Maybe you have too much. Maybe you're paying a higher rate. They can shop that rate around to get you the best deal possible. That's what they did for me. So whether it's commercial property, um, whether it is uh, for the commercial insurance, whether it's for your homeowner's insurance, whether it's for life insurance, auto insurance, boat insurance, one place to turn Briar Greaves. Check them out on the web at briargreavesinsurance.com. They're huge Bucks fans, proud sponsors of the Peter Report podcast. So be sure that you tell them that you you heard about them uh, on the Peter Report podcast. 813-876-4166, briargreavesinsurance.com. So we looked at a ton of different edge rushers that the Bucks could sign if Shaq Barrett doesn't come back. If he does come back, I think there there are more limited options. There are fewer options. Uh, yeah. for the box to pursue, but there's still probably going to be options. And some of those will be those veterans that we talked about. Um, again, I, it's hard to know how deals will be structured and and then how, who else will get restructured to know how much cap space the box will have. If they have any cap space after they resign their guys, I don't want a running back. I don't want anything else except another pass rusher. That's all I want. Just another edge rusher to come in and compete and be a fresh body. They just don't have enough guys. And that's an important spot. And JPP's getting to that point, and some of the guys inside, if you bring them back, Sue, are getting to that point where they're not going to be able to play those types of snaps and give you that type of energy in the fourth quarter of a close game. You've got to be able to stop the pass in 2021. It's huge. And so I think that that's uh, what I'm looking for in free agency. We promised before we wrapped up this podcast, and we will talk about other positions that the Bucs should draft, uh, address in free agency. In fact, this went so well with Ed Rusher, I think we're just going to take ta- tackle positions uh, yep. that the Bucs could look at players in in the next couple of podcasts. But we did tell you, we promised you, we would talk about a couple of our draft crushes before we uh, wrap this podcast up. There's also another place in which I'll be talking about draft crushes all off-season long until the NFL draft, and that is Locker Room. Locker Room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams that you care about. 
react to sports news as it happens, gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games, rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. Every Tuesday night after my Bucks briefing, I get on there. We have a locker room session. A bunch of Bucks fans get on. We all chat about stuff going on with the Bucks, drafts, free agency, all of it. So we're going to have a lot of that, especially as we get closer to free agency in the draft. During free agency, we'll have some live sessions, reacting to signings, re-signings, things of that nature uh, with the Bucks. So it's going to be a lot of fun on Locker Room. Taylor and Matt are also starting a show that is going to be coming out every other week. They're going to be doing a show on there, and they're going to be having people on to talk and Bucks fans on to talk. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, download Locker Room, social audio app. You can get on there. You can chat with us, talk about all things football with us. Download Locker Room and follow Peter Report on there. Very simple interface, very easy to figure out and use. Cool app. Uh, just a fun way to you know keep talking Bucks and, and be a fan. So uh, it's good stuff. All right, Scott. You had told me about Javante Williams. I had already seen a lot of Javante Williams. But when you sit down to study a, a human being's tape and you see the kinds of things that this man does, not just, okay, these are highlight plays or I saw this play on Twitter blow up, but right. every single play. I saw like hundreds of plays I'd never even seen before yeah. of him doing the same stuff he did in the highlight plays. That's when you know you've got a player on your hands that could be a factor in the NFL yep. level. What kind of plays are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about a play like this one. This dude turns a, a four-yard loss into nine-yard gain because they can't tackle him. Yeah. I mean, if a Bucks running back did that, I mean, I would lose my mind, Scott, <laughs> even if we were in the press box. Right. I mean, I, you, I would get thrown out. I really would, yeah. I think. Um, so well, You know what? Here, here's a comp, too, and, and I think there's a little bit more to Javante Williams' game. But a player that, that Buccaneer fans will, you know, will remember me uh, pining for hard was Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. In the oh, third I round. thought of that too when I watched him. Yeah, yeah. It, just just a tackle breaking ability, and 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 uh, th- that's that's studly. And pass protection. That. I mean, Kareem Hunt did. Kareem Hunt does this in pass protection. I mean, yeah. this was one of the things that I loved about him in college. Just a complete player. I mean, look at that. Yeah, I mean, you just don't see running backs do those kinds of things. By the way, that's not his only pancake of a blitzing linebacker, and he's terrific in pass protection across the board, even when it isn't a pancake. I'm telling you that he can catch. He can run routes. I mean, I think that that's an area you can grow in a little bit, but he can catch for sure. Um, he can make – but most importantly, he makes plays after the catch. He's just really hard to get to the ground on a consistent basis. Right. He is just horrible to try and tackle. It's just awful yeah. for defenders. I mean, just, just there were the, plays, there were multiple plays where he broke five or six tackles, like yeah. square shots in a right. game. I just mean, ask I, the Miami Hurricanes, John. I mean, oh my gosh, I can actually good. upload that play. I think I have that play saved in here. But okay. I mean, just yeah, some of the things that he does, Scott, are are just like you just don't see them in right. when you watch. In fact, I would go so far as to say I don't think I've watched a running back in college consistently physically dominate other people the way that Javante Williams does. I mean, he blocking uh, after the catch, after he gets the handoff, he is just on another level. I mean, he's only 220 pounds. I mean, that's great size for a running back. And again, he's built low to the ground, but it's just balance. Like he just has so much strength and balance. Now he's not overly explosive. He's not like, he's not going to run a 4440, I bet. Um, He's not either. Kareem Hunt didn't either. Exactly right. Tons of good running backs don't, by the way. It's not a big deal at all. It's all about um, breaking tackles in the NFL. Yes, it's about creating with the ball, yes. Absolutely. I mean, Ronald, Ronald Jones, it, he's he's a run-to-daylight kind of guy, and he's mm-hmm. he's got a respectable amount of 20-yard-plus 20 yard, 20 yard runs mm-hmm. in the league, but including a 99-yarder, right? But the thing is, is you don't see the 60, 70, 80-yard touchdown runs right. 
with any regularity in the NFL that you do in the college level. Right. I mean, look at this man. Like, you just – these are not ordinary things. Cuts it back. Breaks the tackle here. Jumps Hurdle. over guy. Runs through this guy's Get down! Then he spin moves. Yes. How do you have the presence of mind to spin move after you just truck John, stick somebody? It's because you do it every other again. play. Hit that again because you got to see it again. Okay? It's just absurd. This is all over his tape. I mean, I'm telling you, if you just like watching football, just yeah. watch Javante Contact Williams. Contact balance, John. Contact yeah. balance. And, and the thing is, is we, we had on uh, Greg Cosell, the, the legend from NFL Films, and I retweeted this uh, at, the, at the end of the week. Greg Cosell has Javante Williams as his number one running back ahead of Travis Etienne, uh, who's, who's a, a, a speed guy with, with better hands. Um and, and uh, Najee Harris, I would be fine if the Buccaneers got any one of those three running backs. And the reason why in, in our Peter Report collaborative mock draft that I wrote and, and we collaborated on, John, in the Bucks seven-round mock draft was I, I think that ATN and Najee Harris go before Javante Williams because they've had better careers. Javante Williams split time with Michael Carter at, um, at North Carolina. You'll talk about him in just a second. But – but he really kind of came into his zone in 2019, had 933 yards, a 5.6 average, five touchdowns, but then exploded on the scene with Carter as a, a junior. 157 carries, 1,140 yards, a 7.3-yard average, and 19 touchdowns. And we had somebody say, can he catch the ball? Yeah, 25 mm -hmm. catches for 305 yards, 12.2-yard average, and three touchdowns. So 12.2-yard yeah, average. Ronald Jones was averaging like five yards after yeah. per catch most of the season. I don't know what they ended up at, but, you know, Atlanta, he and Leonard. I mean, it's just not – again, yeah. it was – so I say all that to say he is a guy that and most to be fair to to be fair and just to show that I'm being um, fair as an evaluator here. Right. Most Javante Williams had a couple big pass plays on the season, and a lot of those came on plays where he either lost people in coverage. They were a couple of them or two of them were scramble drills, I think, where like he got free and then ran for you know open space. But it's like okay, the tackle. So he didn't necessarily have his greatest tackle breaking runs. He didn't have to. Right. I mean, it was literally running in space to the end zone. Nobody even touching him on a lot of his catches, but you can see the tackle breaking ability right. that he has when he, you know, when he is put in those situations. And so he also caught a jump ball with his legs. Uh, he, he did. He caught it with his legs on the way down to the ground this season. I don't have that yeah. clip, I don't think. But so Michael Carter is another UNC back, and I'm also really excited about Michael Carter. I think if you miss Javante Williams early on in the draft, and there's a great edge rusher there, and you want to take him or somebody else, who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, and you want to wait on running back. I really like Michael Carter too. Yep. He will pass protect. He's a smaller guy, 5'9, 200 pounds. He's a smaller guy. He's well built, though. Good contact balance. He runs hard. Again, he's not super explosive. I don't know that he's going to run a 4'4, 440, but he is, he's a good, solid, all around player. He protects as well. He sticks his nose in there. Once he got knocked on his butt, uh, but he really, I mean, for the most part, I, our, every other rep I saw, he handled people in pass protection. He gets assignments, yep. smart player, but also, Scott, what I really like. He did it so well at the Senior yeah. Bowl. He really earned praise there, and I think he upped the stock a little bit. He's a solid, you know, I think third round, fourth round kind of guy. Um, and and, uh, and and listen, we've talked about this before. We'll say it again with, with the running backs. you got to understand, uh, there is value here. Bruce Arians, he uses two running backs. If Leonard Fournette leaves, we know LaShawn McCoy is not coming back. They have uh, Ronald Jones, who's entering the final year of his deal, and you've got Keyshawn Vaughn, who's largely unproven after a suspect rookie season. Okay, 
And they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. They drafted Ronald Jones in the second round. Mm-hmm. So that's how much Jason Light has valued the running back position. And you don't pay running backs. He made that mistake with Doug Martin. So yep. if, if Rojo has a great year, then you say goodbye. And, and this, this year's running back or the running back they draft in 2022 can take the, the, the place of that. But I think Michael Carter would be a great replacement for LaShawn McCoy as that third down only back and maybe a situational guy. Yep. But, but he a is. Guy, yeah, but, I mean, but I, a guy like Williams, though, is a guy that you can really split carries right. with with Ronald Jones. Yeah, I think, and I think Carter could handle it too. You know, I'll talk about what I really like about Carter, and then I'll talk about one concern with both of them transitioning to the Bucks offense uh, that I'm that I'm thinking about a little bit. But Michael Carter, what I like about him is you can see on this play here he is on a vertical route out of the backfield, and you can see him go up and attack the football like a receiver oh, here. Bruce Arians loves down. that. Again, right, so it's just a skill set they don't really have. I would even give Michael Carter's ball skills the edge over Javante Williams from what I've I seen. Agree. But I would say Javante Williams after the catch has the potential to probably do a little more damage. Um, so again, I like Michael Carter a lot. He makes plays in the passing game. They all run. They run routes uh, like actually. I mean, they run angle routes out of the backfield. Uh, they run. Uh, they're in the swings and in the flats and screens, and they run verticals too from the backfield. And and so they have kind of a, a more sophisticated usage in the pass game than a lot of college running backs. My concern with Michael Carter and Javante Williams, I wouldn't even say it's, I, I mean, it's a concern. It's worth something worth noting. It's not a reason to throw them off the board or anything, but both of them. So in North Carolina's scheme run scheme is about as different from the Bucks run scheme as you could get They're a zone heavy scheme. And they also, when they do run gap, they, they do run gap, have gap runs, but it's almost always counter. Like they're pulling right. a lineman, they're reading the polar, they're reading the guy that's unblocked. If he kicks him out, you're going inside. If he if he seals him inside, you're going outside and you're reading that and you're reading the linebackers he scraped over to see if he needed to come back. So those are the kinds of reads that they have. The box offense is and so it's a lot of horizontal footwork. So you get the yeah. you get the handoff and you're moving laterally and you're making a cut to get north. The Bucks offense is almost all you're just getting the handoff and you're getting north. Exactly yep. right. Yeah, you're getting north. You may be setting up a linebacker with a quick lateral move, but your initial footwork is straight downfield. Right. And you're reading double teams with the Bucs most of the time. There's mm-hmm. split zone with the Bucs. There's inside zone. There's some crossover. It's not totally new. It is different footwork than they're used to, and it'll yep. be different reads and different timing than they're used to. There will be an adjustment process that has to happen with both of them if they were to become Buccaneers that is just something we're going to have to be aware of. I don't it plenty of backs have done it coming from college. It's not the end of the world or anything like that, but it's something they'll need to make sure that's understood as Bucks meet with them beforehand. This is I, very know, different I, football. I, also, often. I remember Monty Kiffin told me a long time ago, it's easier to draft a man corner and teach him zone than to draft a zone corner and teach him man. I almost think it's easier to draft a zone runner and teach him how to play in a, in a kind of a man power blocking scheme mm-hmm. than it is to draft a guy who's familiar with that style and then have him learn the discipline, the patience, and the and, and the cutback ability needed to play in zone. Yeah, and I would hope that the Bucs would see the success they had when they did pull offensive linemen and how yeah. unprepared teams were for it, including in the Super Bowl, when they scored a touchdown off of that, uh, that adjustment. Right. Then they would do it more this upcoming year. I hope it's a big run scheme adjustment. I'll be writing about that at some point in this long yeah. offseason about how the Bucs, you know, right. the adding to the run scheme is important, and so that may be something that – kind of fits and mesh as well. Uh, uh, fit, we'll, we'll get to uh, to Memphis's Kenneth Gainwell mm-hmm. in another episode. Oh, yeah. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, the big the big question mark, and I've talked to some NFL scouts, is is uh, he doesn't have blazing speed. He's tremendous. Might have the best hands from, from any running back in this year's draft. But at 191, that was his freshman weight. Mm-hmm. Where is his weight now? Is it 200? Is it 205? Or is it still in the 190s? That'll play a big role 
in where he goes in this draft. But we'll get right. to him, and yep. we'll get to, to James White and some of these other running backs. We'll talk about some veteran running backs on another day. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. tomorrow maybe we'll talk about some veteran defensive yeah. tackles the team could look at, including what they do with Steve McClendon, what we're hearing Steve McClendon might do, and other people are hearing Steve McClendon might do this offseason. And, and if Ndamukong Sue comes back, we'll look at the defensive tackle scenarios both in on the team and then in free agency, and we'll also continue to talk about players that we're scouting. We'll probably throw in some scouting notes on players in all these episodes just so by the time the draft comes, you are as informed as it gets out there. That's what we – Always aim to do uh, with Peter Report fans and readers and listeners on this podcast. So tomorrow, 4 p.m., Scott, we'll be back in action. Uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, you got it. 4 p.m., we'll be back in action. uh, And then also Wednesday and Thursday as well. So until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out. Out.